one, Hate Street was awesome. You know, the thing about San Francisco back in the day is it was affordable, and so everybody was doing something. That was Tony Karachi, owner of Black Star Pirate Barbecue in Point San Pablo Harbor. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Tony, whose entire life has revolved around water and port towns, tells the story of his parents who met in Seattle. His dad was from New Orleans and met his mom while serving in the Merchant Marines. The young couple moved to San Francisco to start a family, and Tony, their eldest, was born here. Tony talks about the impact school sports had on his life. After high school, he worked some odd jobs before moving, first to Portland and then to Seattle. But a girl he dated in Seattle got a job in San Francisco, and Tony decided to come home. He got tapped to write the menu that opened at the original Cha-Cha-Cha in the Hate. A few years later, Tony opened Cat's Grill and Alley Club, known today as the Cat Club, in the south of Market. Check back Thursday for part two, when Tony will talk about life after the Cat Club, including opening his barbecue joint in the East Bay on the water in late 2020. Here's Tony. Yeah, I was, uh, I was born and raised in San Francisco. Um, my dad is uh, from Louisiana. My mom was actually from uh, Washington, uh, yeah, Olympia. Oh, yeah. Olympia, Washington. Are cool. you from Olympia? Oh, Seattle, right. Okay. Funky little town in Washington. Yeah. yeah. And, and my dad, uh, my, ma- my dad was a merchant marine. And um, so he traveled all over the place, right? And I guess uh, he met my mom uh, when he went to Seattle uh, one of them times. And, um, and then uh, they met each other. And then uh, I came about. <laughs> He's the oldest. There's, there's also a water connection, <clears throat> right? Like, I don't know where your dad's from in Louisiana, but Seattle's very much a water town. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're on the water. Yeah, well, he's from New Orleans. Um, okay, we'll see, that's what, very much on the water. What what, what parish? I, I forget. Anyways, Jefferson Parish or something like that. Um, okay. Anyways, um, so they met, and, um, and he continued to uh, go to sea, um, and then... Uh, one time he came into port and she said, oh, I'm going to have a, a baby. And so they decided to uh, settle in um, San Francisco. Do you know why? I mean, she's from Seattle. He's from, like, why San Francisco? Do you know? I think they both just fell in love with California. Yeah, that happens. You know, I mean, he was from the south and she was from the north. And it was cold and rainy up there. And, and uh, you know, it's hot and muggy down there. And I think, you know, all of a sudden you get to, to California and it's like, it's pretty much beautiful all year round. You know, it's, it's, you know, don't have season seasons here, but, you know, um, but still, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and San Francisco, you know, back in the 50s and 60s uh, was pretty, pretty magical and, and very affordable. Right. San Francisco used to be one of the most affordable cities in the whole world. Some folks, younger maybe, or new to, wouldn't believe that. No. That there was this time that that was possible. Yeah. yeah. There there was a, a, I lived in a house um, uh, up by um, um, Sloat up there. Yeah. And um, the guy I rented the house from had bought a house in Sir Francis Wood 
for thirty thousand dollars. That's and that's fan. That's fancy. That super fancy. Fancy. No, no, those houses are two, three, four, five million and more. Yeah. You know, um, uh, places in the hate used to be. You should get them for like twenty thousand dollars. Those big ass Victorians. Yeah. Um, you know, it was crazy. Yes. So your parents met, and it was the it was the fifties that probably yeah. that they met, and then they came here, and you. I think I heard you say he's the oldest I, I of am, your parents' kids. Yeah. Okay. I I um, I have four brothers and sisters. Um, I have well, I have two brothers, a sister, a half brother, and then three stepsisters. So okay. there's eight of us. Wow. Where did you do your early growing up? Like where were y'all? You said something about Bush Street earlier. Oh yeah, Bush nine nine seven two Bush. But hey, what's the cross <laughs> between Taylor there? and Jones? No, but I mean, you go down a block. Or two from my house, and it was sketchy. And <laughs> you go up yeah. a block or two, and it's like shishi. Right. <laughs> and it's both places very dense urban. Like yeah. it's no joking. It's a city. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. my house isn't even there anymore. They they tore it down and built an apartment building. Okay. Um, but there used to be houses right along that that stretch. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about the magical time of, I guess, you did most of your growing up in the 60s, 70s, right? Yeah, in the 60s, 70s, you know. I mean, it was, <clears throat> San Francisco in the 60s was 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 crazy. Yeah. And I mean, I was a kid, you know. Um, sure. But towards the end of the, the 60s, um, you know, I was, I was 10, 11 years old. So, right. you know, you start knowing what's happening and stuff. Yeah. And we'd go down to the hate and stuff. And okay. It was... It was it was crazy. There was literally a party on every street in every garage. I mean, it was like it was you know all the people were coming in from everywhere doing the whole San Francisco summer of love thing, you know. Yeah. But I mean, there was a big transition going on, anyways, you know. And it, San Francisco just seemed to be a mecca for mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And rents were cheap. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, when I got out of high school. Um, which I would left have been home. about 75, 76. 76. Okay. Um, and I left home when I was 17. So I, I got I left home around 75. And I lived in my, I had a, a 52 Willys Jeep okay. uh, station wagon type. Yeah. And I lived in that for like six months, nice. eight months or something. And then um, then I graduated high school and, um, and uh, moved into an apartment for 150 bucks a month. Jesus. Yeah. Where was that? On the hate. Hayden Hayden. Waller. Hayden Waller, okay. Yeah. What they call Uh, Lower Hate now, Fillmore. Well, not quite. No, no, no. Hayden Waller is in Upper Hate. It's like uh, there's uh, um, Masonic. Oh, okay. So it's on Masonic and Waller. Okay, got it. Um, Because Waller and and Hate. Oh, they're parallel. parallel. That's right. That's right. Doom, boom, boom. Um, And um, $150, you just graduated. Oh, why yeah. don't you just say one thing? He was also a star athlete, big time. Oh, super in, like, big time. In school? Super big time. <laughs> yeah, I, he uh, was, big time. What, uh, what sports? Uh, uh, baseball, soccer, and football. Okay. And um, I lettered in eight varsity sports. Okay. Um, so, uh, He's a rock star. What, uh, what uh, position uh, do you play in baseball? I, big baseball I was center field because okay. I was really fast. Bass guy, yeah. Yeah. And um, center field, and then I was wide receiver and defensive back on the football team. Yeah. And then um, I was a fullback in soccer. Did you steal a lot of bases in baseball? I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I was a good I was a good hitter. I was like a, a singles hitter. Like. Right. Just get on base. Yeah. 
Didn't and I could always, over. I hardly ever struck out. Okay. You know, but. And I just think that's really important. That is, yeah. <laughs> well, did you carry that with you out of high school? He could have. Well, I mean, right. I, I, uh, yeah, <clears throat> but if you really want to know the truth, I hated school. Yeah. I was not a school kind of guy. I'm just not good at it. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I was a C student. You can't sit sure. still. He couldn't sit still. That's yeah. the problem. Been a great student. He the problem is that I, 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 I really had a hard time because I you'd get into class and I'd look at the clock and go, oh my God, I'm going to be here for an hour. Right. You know, and Dread. I was fine for the first 10, 15 minutes. And then it was just not cool. Yeah. And you know you get fidgety. You 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 start doing stuff and you start playing with stuff and you start getting in trouble. And so I was in trouble a lot. And and I'll tell you, the 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 thing that helped me most in school was sports. Hmm. Gave that, you purpose and meaning. Well, meaning they, they, for being that's there. where I got all my discipline from. Right. That's where I got all you know. I had coaches back then. Coaches were coaches. Right. Coaches were no joke. Right. You know. Um, <laughs> you know, when you screwed up, you got it. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. uh, and so there was no talking back to the coach, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> there was no nothing. And so, you know, and you know, you do some, or you, maybe you mix practice or something, you come in and he just, he would just look at me and goes, there's no excuse, you know, because of the discipline of sports, um, I learned I learned a lot about life mm -hmm. and um, how to um, how to go about it, mm -hmm. and I still to this day use use sports as as a metaphor in my life. Um, like when things really start going bad or something's not working or whatever, you know, um, what sports taught me was that okay, s stop and go back to the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you made three errors in a game, the next practice. They'd make you take a hundred ground balls. You work boom, on that. boom, boom, yeah, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Yeah. And you just like, you know, if you struck out four times in a game, you'd have to take extra batting practice, right? Right. And so you just, you go back to the fundamentals. And I've found in my life that when you do that, um, it actually works. Take a step back. Take a step and, back. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, don't try and do too many things at once, you know, and go back to what you're good at and then build on it. You know, and then right. and then all of a sudden you get through that one and you go on and you just keep going. And um, so it, it taught me my work ethic, that and my father. My dad was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't mind working. I, I, I like to work. I feel better when I work. I am glad that you work because <laughs> I've, I've eaten your work. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to, so you're, you're out of college. You got this apartment. Oh yeah, go. So, and so what, I, what kind of things were you doing? Were you, were you working? Speaking of, um, I was my first job when I got out of high school. I worked at the shipyards. Okay. Because that's where my dad worked, and he was when they were still in SF. Is yeah. that how far? Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they used to have a huge ship repair business yes. in San Francisco. Right. Um, and so I, I got out of school, and I and I did that, and I realized real fast that I did not want to do that. Okay. I hated it. <laughs> with a passion. Okay. Um, and uh, so I moved to, to Portland. Mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon. And um, Portland, Oregon. Another water town. Was another water town, yeah. And I lived there for about uh, 
two and a half years. Okay. And uh, and decided that um, well, I uh, I saw I got jobs in restaurants because um, my the number one thing. I mean, we grew up really poor and stuff, right? The the one thing that I I figured out was that if I got a job in a restaurant, I wouldn't go hungry. Right. And so for a f- there was a bunch of years that um that I um. You know, I, I the only time I really ate was when I was at work. At cooking, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So um, that I, I did that, and then I decided, well, um, I, it would be cool to uh, to do makeup. Mm. I don't know why yeah, or how, from? but um, it was a good way to meet girls. Oh. <laughs> Talk about fundamentals. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so I did that, and uh. And, uh, Here in in, this, in San Francisco? No, or? in uh, in um, in Portland. Okay. And then from Portland, um, I I got a job in Seattle doing makeup. Okay. So I moved up to Seattle and I lived there for two years. Back to where your parents met. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. ex- exactly. Mm-hmm. And then um, then I I got a girlfriend there and she was into hair and makeup, and we got she got a job back in San Francisco, and I, and so I'm like, yeah. Let's do that. And so I know we, the town. we came back to San Francisco and um, we were both doing makeup and stuff. And then this guy from USA Today called us and said, hey, man, we want to do an article on you guys. And okay. so we're on the cover of USA Today. No way. Yeah. As makeup artists. Then moved back to San Francisco and then um, um, I got a little tired of, of the whole makeup scene. So I, I got... Uh, job back in the kitchen and so I was cooking around for a little bit and then different um, places or do you remember which places gosh too many not really I mean because it was just like here and there but um then um there was a a chance to get a a, they needed a a, a, an opening chef at cha-cha-cha and I met the owner there and um so then I got I, I went in there and wrote the menu there and got that off the ground did they already have the concept, or was it all you? Well, no, I mean, they, they had an idea of the kind of food, because Leon is from Cuba. Right. And he, <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever, okay? Here's this uh, a Chinese guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, born in, in China, come over, and then grew up in Cuba. So he speaks fluent Chinese and fluent Spanish. Uh, Spanish. <clears throat> and his third language was English. Okay. So his, his English was kind of choppy. Right. But man, he could go to the mission and brrr, get all the deals, go to Chinatown, Chinatown. Brrr, and get all the deals yeah. and come back. And it was like, it was awesome. It yeah. was perfect, you know? Um, and uh, so anyways, I wrote the menu and got that off the ground and then left there and uh, ended what up. Year, what year was that that they opened? That was like 85. Okay, wow. I want to say something like 85, 84, 85, something yeah, so like that. Yeah, so you're still in your like later 20s, mid to late 20s. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, Was that the first time you had done that? <clears throat> Help launch a place? Yeah. Okay. Very first. It must have been exciting. Yeah. Oh, and Hate Street was awesome. You know, the thing about San Francisco back in the day is it was affordable, and so everybody was doing something. Right. Everybody was an artist or in a band or there was a scene going on all over the place. You know, mm-hmm. everybody was just 
it was really exciting. It was really fun, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, and it was night break was right there uh, next to a couple doors down. There's Murio's, and then there was night break, mm-hmm. and everybody hung out at night break, you know. And then we'd go to I Beam across the street, yep. and it was it was epic. It was it was such a fun time, you know. You could you could work, you could play, yeah, and it was it was like why everybody wanted to be in San Francisco. Right. It's exactly why everybody wanted to be. Just a quick personal uh, side note. Probably around '87 or '88. So I grew up in Texas, huh? uh, but that's around the time I started skateboarding. Ah. And so I get you know Thrasher, Transworld, all these skate magazines, and there was this magical store called skates on hate right yes. across the street yeah it's still there re- isn't it i think it recently closed oh because uh, again mean, i'm bringing all the bummers that that, but... that, that 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 was there forever yeah skates on hate yeah and then uh there was rock and bowl next door yeah where amoeba Which is, is now, now. Amoeba. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. that was a bowling alley that <laughs> right. we used to just go and get sloshed and go in there and bowl or whatever <laughs> so it was like all this this playground stuff and the park is right there and the park it's like yeah all the stuff happening in the park it was just it was amazing yeah it, you know it was a big rock and roll scene a big goth scene yeah um you know and and then all the bands that would come through played at the i-beam right I saw you two there. Oh shit! Um, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction used to play at Night Break. Right. For crying out of night. Right. That that's about as big as this outdoor deck right, right here. Right. You know, like like that's as big as it was. Yeah. You know, and and you know, uh, like I said, you uh, two and all those English bands would come and they would seem to always play on Monday night, <laughs> which was awesome. Yeah. Like, amazing. Um, and you were going to those shows. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there wasn't a night you didn't go out. Right. You went right. out every night. Because yeah. you could. Right. Could you know? Afford it. Um, you know, beers were like two bucks. Mm-hmm. Two fifty or something, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, shots were four. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and then there's all the other stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> that stuff, yeah. So you left Cha Cha Cha, though. How, how long did you stay there? I was there about two years. Okay, so you wrote the menu... And uh, got, and got then... it off and, and, and started it. And uh, <clears throat> and we went from like uh, 20 dinners a night to 200. And it was only 40-seat restaurant. Not Jeez. even that. Maybe 30-seat. Wow. So five, five-ish seatings. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Was... Um, did, was the Hate Street location first? And I'm sorry. I don't yes, know that. Absolutely. Okay. okay. And it, was, it wasn't where it is now. It was where the taqueria is now. Oh, so there was another. There was a clothing store in the corner that where it is, is now. That is a small space. Yeah, and it was really small. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Well, so for you, what happened next? After Cha Cha Cha, I got a job at 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 Lips, which was the underground, which is now um, Asia SF. Oh yeah. That was that was one of the first clubs south of Market. Yeah. Um, Howard and. Yeah. Um, I got a job there. Um, as a door guy, and then DNA opened, and I was on the opening staff of DNA. As uh, doing as what? a door guy. Door guy. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I mean, so I still, but I still had the the cooking part of me was still there. Right. I was just doing that, and then um, and then I went to the Ace Cafe after that. Okay. Um, oh, I, I went to Paradise Lounge after DNA, and then from Paradise to to the Ace Cafe. Okay. Sorry, where was the Ace? 
on 12th and Folsom. Got it. Okay. It's now Wish. Uh, it was across the street from Hamburger Mary's. Yeah. Now we all remember Hamburger Mary's. Yeah. Oh my God. Hamburger Mary's was just like the coolest place on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Which is really funny. They were slammed for 20, 30 years, something like. And then as soon as they left, um, it must have changed hands 20 times. Yeah. Like nobody could keep it going. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they should have just probably kept it as Emperor Mary's. Or Someone something. else take right. But they they changed the name anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, but, so however much of the story you already told me about how the Cat Club came about, however much you want to share. Okay, how did the I Cat Club you, come sir. about? All right, so I'm still cooking, right? And um, and this is kind of a funny story because. I became a nightclub owner on accident. <laughs> I was in no way looking to, to open a nightclub. Right. It wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even a thought. And um, I, uh, I had a couple traffic warrants <clears throat> out on me because back then, you know, it's like, ah, I don't need to pay that. Right. You know, and, and back in those days, um, if, you ha- if you didn't pay a traffic ticket, <clears throat> they would put a warrant out for your arrest. So I happened to get pulled over on a Friday, and uh, and they're like, "Oh, Mr. Karachi, looks like you have a warrant out for your arrest. Uh, will you step out of the car?" I'm like, oh, "Okay." Well, <clears throat> when you get arrested on Friday, you get to stay in jail all weekend, and you get out on Monday. <laughs> so I get out. I, I spend a weekend in jail, and then I get out on Monday morning at 6 a.m. They let you out, and uh, they let me and this other guy out. So we're walking down the street, and we end up on Folsom, which is a couple blocks away from 850 Bryant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only place that's open at 6 in the morning is Rocco's. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we walk into Rocco's and sit down, and and the chef owner, Don, comes up and goes, can I help you? And like, yeah, can we get a couple beers? <laughs> and Don just starts laughing. He goes, ha, ha, you guys just got out of jail. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, how'd you guess? Yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. But anyways, we started talking. and, um, and You I didn't was, already know Don? Not at all. Okay, you just met But we day. became really good friends. Sure. Because, yeah, well, anyways, he's the one that says, I, I told him, I go, hey, man, I'm looking for a kitchen. And um, he goes, I go, do you know of him? And he goes, well, as a matter of fact, there's a club across the street, and they have a kitchen, and they don't use it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's that's kind of cool. You know, I'll go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went across the street to what is now the Cat Club, but it used to be Southside Sports, and um, it was a yuppie club, mm-hmm. sports bar, horrible place. It sounded like the name and the description. It was just, like, it was what? really bad. Yeah. Um, and um. So I go over there and I talk to the guys and I'm like, tell them, you know, I want to open this. I want to use their, their, their kitchen, you know, and it won't interfere with the club and stuff. And so they're, they're like, sure. And um, so I started going in there and doing stuff. And I never, ever really got it off the ground at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was there for about three months, you know, just messing around, mm-hmm. screwing around. Um, and uh, <clears throat> about three months into it, the two owners, there was three owners. The two two owners came to me and said, "Hey, man, you want this place?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "Well, how how much?" And they they gave me a price. I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take it." And they said, "The only caveat is you have to 
keep our our other partner on Roy as your partner. I'm like, okay, because Roy was a good, was a nice guy. Yeah, uh, he was a cool guy. He um, he just pretty much sat at the end of the bar and drank all day and all night. My kind of partner. <laughs> yeah. Um, so or anyways, I say Michelle's kind of partner. <laughs> I took it over and renamed it the Cat Club. That's actually the Cat's Grill and Alley Club. Okay. And um, what year would that have been? 1993. Okay. 93, and um, so we started doing parties and stuff. And and what what struck me as uh, funny in those days is, you know, there's there'd be something popular, and so clubs would latch onto it, and that's what they would do. Right. And they would do that every night, and then it would go out of fashion, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden these clubs would be decimated. Yep. And so. I went in going, you know what? I'm going to do something different every night. And pretty much not what was popular. And so we started doing, uh, well, we did Mushroom Jazz on Mondays. Yes. And we did uh, um, uh, 1984 on, on Thursdays. And we did, uh, which is an 80s club. So Acid Jazz, 80s. And then on Fridays, we do Ibiza. Which is salsa, mm-hmm. and then Saturdays we do Sophie's, which was uh, hip hop, mm-hmm. and then Sundays we do Sixteen, which was a rock and roll club. Yes, and uh, we did all that, you know, and and clubs in between, and this and that, and the other thing. Uh, oh, we did Litterbox, which was my favorite club of all time. It was on Fridays before before Ibiza, and that. Was the quintessential? Is that how you say that? Quintessential, uh, San Francisco club ever. What 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 was it? It was Litterbox. okay. So Litterbox was uh, Junkyard and uh, uh, Xavier uh, were my DJs. Okay. And um, Junkyard was a lesbian, and and Xavier was uh, um, no Javier. Javier, not Xavier. Javier was was this gay guy, and um, so we had. A third gay guys, a third lesbians, and a third straight okay. straight people. Yeah. And it, we all got in there, and it was the funnest club yeah. of all time. Talk about the salad bowl. That's just... Yeah, that's no, so it was, yeah. and it was. And everybody was just really having fun, and the music was eclectic. And we didn't go in the front door. Hmm. We went in the back door Okay. for that, for that club. Okay. It was awesome. You know, yeah. and so it's like, like the front of the club, there was just nobody out there, and then the back of the club in the alley, you know, because we were called uh, the Cat Club and Cat's Grill and Alley Club, right? Because I still had the kitchen up front, mm-hmm. so people would come in the back, and so the alley was just full of all kinds of madness and craziness and the fun people times. coming in, yeah. And so the front looked like we were dead, and right. <laughs> we were like jamming inside. That was Tony Karachi. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Tony will share the story of opening Black Star Pirate Barbecue. Please join us for part two this Thursday. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 140 episodes over the last three years. And you can find them all at our website, storiedsf.com. While you're there, please check out our store, 
where in the month of December, we're donating proceeds of all sales to Supply Hope Info, a new nonprofit helping students with distant learning. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can like, comment, and share the stuff we put out. Find our shows just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts, including most recently, BFF.FM's new podcast network. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. We love feedback, so if you have any, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, wear a mask, and stay healthy. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.